Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Have y'all ever seen the TV show Blue Bloods? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't, Mr. Tom Selleck, that's right, like classic Tom Selleck, uh, just, I mean, he's just amazing, you know, the, the Hawaii Five O, Magnum P.I., the mustache for like the last 72 years, I think he was born with that mustache, really cool show, but if you haven't seen it, so like each show kind of has this uh, same premise where you got uh, Tom Selleck, who is the police commissioner of New York, and he has his family, and uh, uh, I don't even know all the names of the kids, uh, but in each episode, they'll have these the story and then all these sub-stories. And so you kind of see what's going on with Tom, and then you see what's going on with his, his maybe his son or his daughter, or how things are happening in the family. Uh, but then at the end of each episode, uh, just about every episode, it culminates with the family at the table. Come on. And, and it's just this picture of like, ooh. And then all of a sudden, uh, you see how all of the stories intertwine. Uh, how, how maybe Danny's story and Aaron Reagan's story and all the kids come, and it comes together at this table. Um, and, and, and I was watching the show this week, and I was thinking about that table, and I was just thinking about... Uh, revelations and how everything comes together at a table. How, how God is in the business of the renewal of all things, and at the end there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's going to be a celebration, and we know him fully just as we are fully known, and all of the stories will come together. Everything in uh, all of human history, the renewal of all things will take place. And all of a sudden, there's this moment where God, oh, you were working in this, and I didn't even know it. And see, I operate off of this simple premise, and I think the Bible shows us and teaches us this, and that's this. Everything matters. Every single thing matters. Every story matters. No matter how far you think it might be disconnected from the main story, it is connected. Amen? And we're going to see it. So what I want to do is over the next uh, couple months, I kind of want to do a few different stories. And you're going to have to stick with me. So that means you've got to come back to church for the next few months. And we're going to weave in and out of some stories. And at some point, you're going to say, I don't see how this is connected. But if you hold with me, it's going to stay together. It's going to come together. So the first one, first scripture I'm going to read is this. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, 7 verses 6 through 8. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth and speaking to Israel. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than any other nation, for you were the smallest of all the nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you, and he was keeping the oath that he swore to your ancestors. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus is getting ready, he is being baptized, and it says this, this voice comes from the heavens, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. 
Another translation says it like this. This is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 30. After the resurrection, he's talking to some guys, and it says this. While he was reclining at the table with them, he took the bread spoke a blessing and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus and then he disappeared. Like, this is that moment. Have you ever had that moment where all of a sudden everything makes sense and then it's gone? It's the dream where you had the dream and I just figured out the, the, the meaning of all of life and I woke up and forgot about it, right? You solved the most difficult thing but where'd it go? And this is what's happening. Like, oh no, the eyes were open. They recognized Jesus and then he disappeared. It happens every morning at my house whenever it's time for the kids to go to school. It's like, come on, it's time to get in the car. And they just disappeared. Where'd they go? Finding those kids. And then it says this, and then they said to each other, didn't our hearts not burn within us as he talked with us on the road and he explained the scriptures to us? I gotta tell you that, guys, that's my, that's my prayer every week. Like, Lord, just help us to be a people that we could walk along the road, walk with people, and talk with people, and pray with people, and open up the scriptures, and there's just something getting around that didn't our hearts not burn within us when we got into the word of God? And we just started looking at the word of God, and then there was just something about this. My heart was burning, and it wasn't last night's tacos. Come on, it was something just getting around Jesus passion for more, like Chris was saying, that first love fire, to be chosen by God. I want to talk to us today about our chosenness. Have anybody seen the TV program, The Chosen? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It is better than Blue Bloods, you know, uh, even though it doesn't have Tom Selleck. Um, I love in this, this program the way they've portrayed Jesus personally. Uh, I love the fact because I think they focused a little bit more on the humanity of Jesus, whereas, uh, and, and not to knock other television programs, but sometimes I think they focus on the divinity of God, and, you know, Jesus is this character in which he's just, oh, and, and, I, and the chosen, it's like, you know, there's Peter and John and Jesus, and you, know, you, kinda, you see a little bit more of the humanity of him, so I would definitely say uh, check that out. But when I say the word chosen, maybe you think of this TV show. Maybe you think of the disciples in the Bible, how they were God's, he chose these 12, and we're going to go out and he send them and change the nations. Um, maybe you think of this scripture here that I read in Deuteronomy of just Israel and all that it represents and God's chosen people. Uh, what do you think of when I say the word chosen? Maybe for some of us, it takes us back in time. Maybe it's, it takes us back to elementary school where you're on the playground, and all of a sudden there's two different teams. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. And there's the captain of this team, and there's the captain of this team. And then you have to choose who you want on your team. Uh-huh. Some of you right now, you're about to cry because you remember. Because <laughs> you were there, and you were that kid. I was that kid that's like, just don't get picked last. Just don't get picked last. And then it's like they pick their team, and there's just two kids left. It's you and the other kid that, like, we're getting ready to play basketball, and this kid has never even touched a basketball, but you're like, maybe they'll pick me, and they don't. It's like, no, you guys could have the extra player. We don't even want them. 
you know what I'm talking about, that feeling you're either included or excluded, the excitement of being chosen for the team, the disappointment of, well, I wasn't picked again. I just wasn't wanted. Um, I remember years ago, I may have told the story, I'm not sure. I, years ago, I was in Indonesia, and I was with a group of missionaries, and uh, the guy told us, hey, we're getting ready to go into this prison, and he started assigning people things to do. Like, hey, so, somebody's going to have to lead worship, and somebody's going to have to do this, and, and we need someone to preach. Who's going to be the preacher? And I kid you not, everyone in the room turned and looked at me. And, and at this time, I'm 19 years old, and I'm like, why are y'all looking at me? Why? And, and in my mind, I had two different conclusions. I had the conclusion of, well, maybe there's a gift here. Maybe God has done something, and, and maybe I could communicate. Or maybe I'm the only one willing enough to just be a fool in front of everybody. And I think it's a blend of both. I, I really do. I think it's a blend of both. But they, they chose me, and I was like, okay, let, let's do this. Uh, I remember 1988. Shalot, pre-Walmart. There's a place right now called Harbor Freight. Before Harbor Freight, there was, I think, maybe CVS. Before CVS or whatever it was, there was this other pharmacy store uh, that was the go-to store before Walmart. And 1988, it is the springtime, and they are going to do a coloring contest to see who can color the best springtime picture. And the picture, all the kids got the same picture. It was a little bunny, and it was a little uh, background to the bunny. And, and I beat all of the other kids <laughs> in Brunswick County. Come on, somebody. My bunny beat out all the hundreds of other bunnies. And I actually won a stuffed bunny. And I held on to this bunny till like last week. I mean, I had this bunny because it just represented I beat all of y'all and I won in my bunny into the the thrill of that um just the other day we had to to, to sit down uh at a lawyer's office and we're signing all these papers and I'm there with Chris and uh they say you know you have you have to sign your legal title to how it's written with these documents whatever so technically I am the president of Coastal Church. And we start signing these documents. Says, you, got, you got to write your name and you got to write your title. So I have to write president. And I realize I don't know how to spell president. <laughs> like this is the South, y'all. It's either president or president. And I thought it was president, you know? Who's the president this year? I, I don't, you know, this, this is country. I grew up Brunswick County education. And so I'm like, I don't know if it's an E or an A, and I'm sweating, and I don't want to say anything to Chris. I don't want to say anything to the lawyer because I'm the president, and you should know how to spell president if you're the president. And so I'm like writing it, and I literally wrote it different ways, different times. So like the papers might get rejected. I, and I remember just, I can't, but it brought me back to that same year, 1988 when we'd stand up in front of the class, and the class would be like, okay, we're doing this thing called the spelling bee. Y'all know what I'm talking about, some of you do. They don't do it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I remember the teacher would say, spell, spell. And I would be like, S-P-E-L-L? -L? L is there one L? Is there? And I'd be like, L, L, silent Q, I don't know. And like, I'll just sit down now. Never got it past the first rounds. 
I couldn't play basketball. White guys can't jump. And they would get picked, and I would always be the last one. You know those feelings. Uh, to be chosen, you're either in or you're out. Either someone picked you and you the feeling or that feeling of, am I rejected again? Which leads to this question that gets down deep into all of our souls that we will ask ourselves all throughout life. And if this question isn't answered early on in life, it will leave us struggling. And the question is this, am I wanted? Do they want me? Am I good enough to be chosen? Um, I've looked at, and this is just observation, this isn't psychological uh, uh, anything, but I've, I've watched children, and I've watched as, as a lot of them have grown up, and I've seen kids that were born into great families, great moms, great dads, great family life, and they'd still struggle with this question, am I wanted? It's this, well, well, did my parents really want me? Because it's not like they really had a choice. You know, it's like, it, I mean, there's birth and there's conception and all this, but they didn't, like, choose me. And so do, do, they, do they even really want me? Do my parents like me? Do they enjoy being around me? And if they don't answer these questions early on in life, what happens is they bring these questions with them and into every relationship. Well, 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 this relationship, this friendship, my workplace, my spouse, even, even my spouse, even though she said I do, does she really? Do they want me? What if, what if they knew this other side of me? What if my friends knew this about me? Am I wanted? And, and the thing is, I've also noticed with adopted kids. Now, you would think adopted kids wouldn't struggle with it as much because their mom, their dad said, no, I, I want this child. They, they, they chose the child. But no, no, adopted kids struggle even more. Oftentimes they struggle, even though if they're in a household with a loving mom, loving dad, uh, that, that chose them, the driving thought isn't, isn't that the love of this parent chose me. The driving thought is, well, why didn't someone else want me? Why, why wasn't I good enough? Why did they reject me? And if you're in the room, you know a little bit what I'm talking about if you have some of that in you. What's wrong with me? And what happens is this happens in children and it gets amplified in adults. But it manifests itself in different ways. What happens is it, it manifests itself and now I'm just going to work 70 hours a week to prove to everybody that I'm worthy. I'm going to make X amount of dollars, and I'm going to show everybody this is why I could be wanted. Or, or, or I'm going to do all these things, and I'm going to, I'm going to, do, all, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Or, or to show the world that I'm worthy. To, to make it where I can be, oh, you didn't choose me for the team. I'll show you. So I'll, I'll do these things time in and time out. And, and this is, I have to win. At all costs, I have to win, even if it's the wrong game. All of this on the inside, and that often there's power and fame or prestige, and people's got to know my name. I've got to have the pats on the back. I've got to have the recognition in order to feel wanted. And oftentimes it, it kind of could show us this kind of pride and this arrogance. Let me tell you, all this pride and arrogance has a root of insecurity every single time. That person that you're looking at, man, they're so prideful, they're so arrogant, I guarantee you there's a root down there and they're struggling to say, am I enough? 
Am I wanted? Am I loved? The insecurity of it. So here's the thing. We have a hard time with our chosenness sometimes because uh, seeing it without the lens, because uh, in American culture, the where we're at today, we, all, we look at this idea of being chosen through the lens of competition and comparison. I beat you. I outcolored you. Come on. They picked me first for the team. So there's this idea of competition and comparison and that uh, we associate with our chosenness. Now, here's where it gets interesting, because if you look at chosen uh, and wanted in the Bible, its very nature is to be set apart. And actually, every time God's talking about to be chosen, to be set apart, is to be different. Like, I've called you, Israel. I've called you to be holy. I've called you to be set apart. I've called you, Christian. Come, disciple. Come and follow me. Don't, don't follow these other things in the world. There's going to be a holiness that you're going to follow. Uh, we can look at Paul's letters. We look at, look at Peter's letters. Every single time, there is a, this setting apart. There's this choosing to it to be like him. Come on, Israel. Be like me. Come on, disciples. Come on, Lucas. Be like me. There's, this is part of being chosen. And it's a setting apart from all others. But here's the difference. It isn't setting you apart because you're so much better. It's setting you apart so that you could draw others in. It's setting others apart to say, no, no, this is because of the glory of God that I've chosen you, Israel, and set you apart as a holy nation, a holy priesthood, to show the rest of the world how glorious I am. Because I didn't pick you because you were the biggest and the baddest and had all the... No, you were actually the smallest, and I chose you for this purpose because this is what I'm going to do in all of the peoples of the earth. Come on, somebody. Are you getting it? Are you catching it? It's not a comparison thing. It's to draw everyone else in. Come on, Israel. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what it looks like for me to care for you and to comfort you, even when you go out and play the harlot time and time and time again. This is, this is my great love for you. This is, I'm the gate, and I'm, I'm going to let you. And this is what it means to care for someone and to, to, to protect them and to, to lead them and to feed them. Come on, Israel, because I'm showing you this for all of the nations to look at you so they can see the glory of God. And this is, this is your purpose. This is your chosenness. Look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. It says this, And when the Gentiles heard that the gospel actually included them, they began rejoicing and glorifying the, the word of the Lord, and as many were appointed to eternal life believed. So in other words, what? Uh, all of this, all that Israel that we didn't, this is what the gospel is all about, that we could enter into this too? There's this rejoicing that, oh, God would choose us, he would allow us to live into this, to be set apart, this model that everyone else could see. And this is true of every area of your life. Every area of your life. See, your marriage isn't just about your marriage. Your marriage is a testimony to the glory of God. So husbands, I need you to love your wife just like, just like Christ loves, loves you and the church and these people. And so my marriage isn't just about fulfilling my needs. It's to give testimony that this is how God loves us. And so when I love my wife in a manner and say, no, no, this is to give testimony. That you're, everyone should want to have this in their life. 
This is how it looks to, to, to parent my children, to be a pastor, to, to work on the job. All of the things that you do for the glory of God, to draw others in, not as a competition to say, well, I'm better than you. No, 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 no. It's that, no, you could enter in this too. This is a testimony of the glory of God and what he can do. So I, I live this out practically every day to show you what it is, how God loved us while we were yet sinners. And every single thing matters. A few weeks ago, I was uh, talking to my neighbor, an uh, older couple, they're retired, and his lawnmower broke down. Now here's the thing about my neighbor. He loves his yard. My man is out there every day working in his yard, and uh, his grass started growing high, and I knew it was getting to him. Uh, he's like, boy, I was waiting. You know, you take your lawnmower in to get fixed. They tell you it's going to be three weeks. It's like seven weeks or something. And, and he's just, he's waiting. He's on, and, and it's getting ready to be Easter, and I'm out there, and I've mowed my grass, and I'm like, my man, my man needs some help. So I get out there, and I'm just mowing his grass. I'm mowing his grass. Don't think anything about it. Park the mower, no big deal. A um, couple days later, his wife comes over. She's just in tears. She said, she said, I, I was in my house and I was praying that morning. And she said, God, send someone to mow my grass. <laughs> she said, I was praying. She said, everybody else, I, she said, I knew it was hurting Ron. And I knew it, just, it was killing him that my grass was this high. And it's about to be Easter. And we can't be, you know, the folks that don't have the grass cut on you. And I was just praying and I was believing. So I started vacuuming my carpet. And all of a sudden I heard something. I looked up and I saw you. God cares about the little things. It wasn't for my glory. I had no clue. It was just that God cares enough to let this woman know that even the little things matter. Everything in your life matters to God. How you mow the grass matters. How you, how you treat your wife and your kids and how you drive on 17. Come on, somebody. That's why my wife doesn't have a coastal sticker on her car. Grace and peace. <laughs> Set apart, chosen, his treasured possession to show the world, no, 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 God wants you. He wanted me. Did you look at the disciples? He picked it like, I want Peter. I want the God that every other rabbi said they didn't want because I'm choosing, I'm choosing Israel because, no, no, because they were so small in number to show my glory through them. And this is huge. This affects our life and our marriage and our job and how we parent and how we go to church, and it all matters. And you say, well, Lucas, this is, this is a big job. Yes, it is. It's a huge job. So let me give you a few things to help you with it. John chapter 15, verse 16. Some core foundations to your chosenness. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I love how John Piper says it. John Piper says it like this. Your faith is not the basis of God's choosing you, but the result of it. So God didn't choose you because you had so much faith and you were so good. It's because God chose you that now you have this faith and now that you can do these things because of the overwhelming grace of God. 
the absolutely overwhelming, undeserving grace of God on your life because of who he is and his great love for us. And that's what Deuteronomy 7 says. Why did he choose you? He chose you and he chose to love you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Why does God love you? Because he loves you. And he loves you, and also because he made a covenant with your ancestors. In other words, but the covenant with your ancestors wasn't based on them and their fulfilling it. It was based on God in the own covenant with his own self. In other words, even if you're unfaithful, I will be faithful. It doesn't, this covenant isn't based on you. It's based on me and my great love for you while you were still sinners. And this is the love they said, I'm going to pour this into you to show you and to show the rest of the world. This is how I love you. Why? Because I love you. That's how I want my kids. I love you. Why? Because I love you. Because you're my, my daughter in whom I'm well pleased, even before you've done anything. Even if you bring home an F on the report card. Even if you've messed up huge. I'm going to love you. Why? Because I love you. Because you're mine. And I made this covenant even before you were born to love you. The absolute grace. Imagine with me for a moment. Uh, I'll make this come alive even more. Uh, something's about to happen and eternity is in the balance. And eternity is in the balance of a basketball game. And, and, and someone walks, the enemy walks through the door and says, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have two different teams. You're going to pick two different captains. And, and, and if, if my team wins uh, all of eternity, you know, you will serve me. And then on this other team, but if you win, you know, you're good. And uh, Michael Jordan is in the room. And Michael Jordan's going to be one of the captains. And he starts picking people. And Jordan's like, I'll take Lucas. And I'm like, whoa, but I was picked last. And, and, and I'll, I'll take Jim. I don't think Jim can jump high, Jordan. I, I really don't. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Miss Ruth. Miss Ruth, she's like in her 80s. All of this. And, and, then, and then we're going to play this basketball game. Like, like, but Jordan, are you sure? What you don't understand is I'm on the team. <laughs> Do you see it? It doesn't matter who I pick. We're going to win, right? We're going to win. It's the same thing with Jesus. He's going to win. As a matter of fact, he's already won. So, Peter, I didn't pick you, Peter, because you're so skilled and you're so good. I picked you because I picked you, and you're on my team. And the fact that you're on my team, we're going to win. The enemy doesn't have a chance. And we realize this into our chosenness. It affects everything. It affects the way that we see our life. And we say, no, no, I'm chosen by Jesus to be on his team, and he wants me. And it's not because I'm such a good player. No, it's because he is. He would choose us, and, and this is how I'll get the glory even more. And this is how God works. And, and someone, the psychologist, could say, well, well, if you think that way, it degrades your identity and who you are. No, not in the least bit. As a matter of fact, it amplifies it even much because it's about who he is. The, the Lord of all creation who speaks a word and things come into existence wants you on his team. He doesn't even have to have you at all. 
He didn't need us for any of this. He could have done every single bit of it all by himself. And yet he chooses to say, I want you, Lucas. I want you, Nikki. I want you, Carla. I want you on the team. And it's not because of your skills. It's because of who I am. And when you can live into that chosenness, it eliminates all of the competition. It eliminates all of these things in my eyes that say, oh, I'm chosen, and so that means everyone else is rejected. No, I'm chosen to bring everyone else in. I've been chosen by God to, to be a, a testament to the world. So you could live into this ah, because of the glory of God. You are not as good as you think you are. You are far worse. And at the same time, you are far better, far more valuable than you could ever imagine because of Jesus. See, we would like to think sometimes we've been in this Christian walk for a certain number of years, 20 years, 30 years, and we start to think that we're good. You're not. You're not. It's the absolute grace of God. Your, your sin, we look at sin sometimes. We say, well, it's just a little sin. There's no such thing. No such thing. You have no idea the implications that it could have. Oh, all of this for the glory of God. Some of us, we move down here. I'm going to move down to shallot. I'm going to play golf for the rest of my days. I'm just going to retire and play golf. You're not that good, though. I've seen some of y'all play. Like, you're not. Like, and even if you played every single day, you're never going to make the tour. Right? Like, go ahead and accept it. And yet God still says, but I want you on the team. I'm not done with you yet. You didn't come here just to play golf. There's something more that I have for you, and I'm going to breathe life into you, and you're going to be a walking testimony of what I can do in you and through you. Come on, Israel, are you hearing me? And, and the Gentiles rejoiced, come on, that we get to be brought a part of this. Second thing, it's for his pleasure, not your greatness. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says this, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And Paul's writing this, and right after writing this, he's saying, like, you can't boast at anything in the presence of God, and yet he says this, but you can do this, let us boast in the Lord. He said, we can boast in the Lord, how can we do this? Why? Not because of our greatness, because of what he's doing in us and through us, shows like, ah, that you would do in these, these broken jars of clay, and you would still use them to carry your glory. This is a model for the whole world to see. It removes the competition. See, competition says this. Competition says, I got picked because I'm worthy. Chosen says, you got picked because he is worthy. And it will change everything about your life if you get that. If you, if you get that wrong, you will struggle. You will struggle. 
Third thing, you are now in Christ and all the promises that come with that. Your identity is wrapped in the fact that God chose us above everything else. My identity is not in the color of my skin, my gender, the degrees on my wall, the money in my bank account, the influence on social media, the fame on paper. All of that died when you accepted Christ. When you accepted Christ, it was an invitation to death. Die so that you can truly live. Your life is not your own. You belong to him. Your purpose is for his glory and his good pleasure. And so let all that we do be a reflection of the one whom chose us. Every single thing. Will I always do it? No. But we could live into it by the grace of God. Jesus made a way for us to live into this thing by his grace. Worship team, come on up. Church, stand with me to your feet. Here's the thing about your chosenness. And that is a word, actually. Your chosenness. Don't. That was good. Come on, that was good. That was real good. That, see, that's the kind of church that I like, y'all. Come on. We can have some fun up in here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're, some of us have been taught that we come to Christ and everything's just going to get better. That we come to Christ and it's this kind of get out of jail free card. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures actually teach that come to Christ and it's a when you go to jail you'll still be free card when persecution happens when they say all manners of evil against you you can still be free in any prison they try to throw you in you can still sing the praises of God and the glory of God can shake the gates come on someone this is what we're called into this is the life of Jesus. We think that uh, it's just this type of escape, and I'm telling you, it's not escape. It's more like putting a target on your back. That no, 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 I'm now following Jesus. I'm set apart to be holy, to show the world. The enemy doesn't want that, and he's gonna try and hit you with everything he has. But I'm here to tell you, it all culminates around a table. And there will be a day we are fully just God I see how you've worked all of these things out for my good I don't see it right now I see the pain I see the hurt I see the heartache I see the rejection of not getting picked over and over again but God there will be a day there will be a table but before that table there's another table there's a table that it's places often in the valley of the shadow of death with your enemies all around you. There's a table in which bread is broken, blood is poured out. It's a table in which feet are washed. It's a table in which Judas sits from the same cup as you. 
table in which we're called to live out this Christian walk. And in the midst of it, God saying, nah, but you're on my team. I chose you. You chose this based on me and what I've done. And every time you do this, every time you have to live into this, remember me. Remember me. I chose you, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, it said this before Jesus did anything. Jesus didn't do a whole bunch of miracles. It was not raising the dead. Like, no, for, for 30 years, Jesus was just son of Joseph and Mary. You know, you know I have this thought. It's kind of comical, but it, 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 it's, this is how my mind works sometimes. Sometimes my mind works like Saturday Night Live skits. And, and so I have this skit in my head that I want to actually do one day, but it's kind of a modern-day version. So you got Mary and Joseph, and they're, they're, in, they're laying in the bed together, and they're just kind of talking. And Jesus is in the other room, and Jesus is like eating a sandwich and playing video games. And he, he's 29 and a half years old. Come on. And Mary, and the camera pans to Mary and Joseph, and they're laying in bed. And Mary looks at Joseph, and Joseph looks at Mary. And Jesus is yelling from the other room, do we have any more chips? And to which Joseph looks at Mary and says these words, I expected a little more. And that's the end of the thing. you ever had that moment? Do you have a promise? Maybe you're 30 years into it. And if you were honest, you'd say to God, God, I expected a little bit more. I've had lots of those moments. It's like, God, God, being a pastor, like sometimes some of the things I read in the scripture, I'm like, I'm like God, but I'm not seeing it. I, I expected a little bit more. I, I want to pray for someone that's just sick and just see him jump up out of the wheelchair. Come on, I, I, come on, God. It's coming. Just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it ain't true. Just keep on waiting. Just keep on waiting. And then there's this other scene I have. There's this like secondary scene where they're at the, the wedding feast and they're having this party and, and they've run out of wine. And, and they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Mary goes to, to, to Jesus and then, do, do something. Well, my time hasn't come yet. And to which she just gives him the look. And to which people ask, how do you know when your time has come? Your mom will tell you. And Jesus said, come on, let's do it. Let's fill this up with the best wine. And if you're in the room today and you expect it a little bit more, I'm telling you the best wine is still to come. Come on, somebody. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Amen. And amen, let's take a minute, let's pray together. Lord, Jesus, Holy Spirit, fall in this place. May your glory fill every heart and every mind. And if you're in here today and you don't know him, today, this moment is the moment of your salvation. And so Holy Spirit, as as you work on these hearts, I'm gonna ask you to throw your hands real high into the air and just say, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. I'm tired of living by himself. Come on, somebody, come on, church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. I repent. Fill my life. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen and amen. Come on, church. 
three people Jesus came to life for God. Come on. Like the first love fire. Let's worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.